right, Psalm 119, Psalm 119. This is the longest chapter in the whole Bible, so I'm going to read every word of the whole thing. Just kidding. Amen. Only going to do one verse. Only going to do one verse of it. Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. I want to preach this morning on some descriptions of young men. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll come down and bear witness to the truth of your word. Lord, we need you. We do not deserve you. We do not even pretend to deserve you. But dear God, we plead for you on the basis of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that you've called us to do a work for you. And I can't do it without your help. So I pray you'd come help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to say this morning that the Bible has a surprising number of specific, insightful descriptions of young men. Now the main problem in this country uh, for its future is the trouble with its young men. I'm not trying to be sexist, but we got a real problem with our young men. Now, anytime you preach like this, there are some times that you preach some passages that deal mainly with the women. But everybody gets something out of them because guess what we all have in common with the women? We're human beings like they are. So in many ways, we'll have some likenesses. And while I'm preaching primarily to young men today, the old men and the, and the females in the audience will realize, you know what, I'm human, and some of these things apply to me as well. But we are talking primarily, that, primarily to the young men today. So uh, we're going to talk about different types of young men, and I uh, hope this will be a blessing to you. And, especially to the young men. I hope it will edify you and build you up and help you to do some things better than you've been doing them before. I wish I would have uh, applied these things in my youth more than I have. Now, uh, our text says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Now, why would you have to cleanse something? Because it's dirty. So the first uh, description of a young man I'll give you is a soiled young man. <laughs> when something's dirty, you know what we say? We say it's soiled. How many knows that young men are dirty? Uh, I'll guarantee you, now don't misunderstand, all humans are dirty. We're all unclean. We're all imperfect. We're all sinners. But there is a unique application of this truth that people are dirty to the young men. Young men are dirty. Uh, young ladies here, uh, look out for the young men. They're dirty. The lost ones. The worldly ones. The church ones. The saved ones. They got, here's what the problem is. They got old flesh in them. Amen. And they will tend to be dirty. So this verse says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Now the world cultivates this dirtiness that's already in all of us, doesn't it? Right. The world takes it to the next level. And the devil takes it to a spiritual level. Amen. You had better look out for those natural tendencies that you already have. You're your own worst enemy, as we often preach. But the world will take it to the next level. And if the devil ever gets a hold of you, he'll take it to a spiritual level. And that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. But the Bible doesn't leave you with that. Just, oh well, people are just dirty. Just nothing you can do about it. Uh, it does give you something to do about it. By taking heed thereto... According to thy word. Alright, get a lot of Bible in you. Read this Bible every day. Study it. 
Go to places where they deeply apply it. Actually live according to what you learn. Actually go by it. You're going to have to... Um, you're going to have to work at it. The things that the Bible teaches will not come easy. Here's a weakness of you Bible-believing Baptists. You're used to sitting in peace. After you hear a message on not being so dirty, you ought to go home and change some habits so you won't be as dirty. It's one thing to hear it and go, yeah, that is true. But it's something else to actually change and quit being that way. All right, so that's the first description of young men we'll look at. Uh, that's the soiled young men. All right, let's look at the next one here. Uh, this, I'm going to call this one the smart young man. There's a whole book in the Bible addressed uh, primarily to young men. It's called the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 1, young man, if he does all that, that'd be a smart young man. Hey, listen, hitch your wagon to a smart young man. Find somebody that's got some good teaching, has their head screwed on right, isn't going along with what everybody's saying we ought to be doing in this day and age. When this thing is coming apart, we are in shipwreck in our society. Find some people that are stable and know what they're doing. All right, still in Proverbs chapter 1, look down at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Somebody stand up with the Word of God and tell you what, the way you ought to be a living. And some people just can't stand that. That's dumb. Amen. That's boring. They don't like it. They don't want to be told what to do. They want to do what I want to do. Uh-oh, you're not even at step one of having any knowledge. Bless your heart, you're condemned to stupidity. I say that not mean, not trying to be funny, but Proverbs 1, verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The very beginning of knowledge is being scared of God if you don't listen closely to what He says. Some of us remember in school there was a certain teacher or a certain principal. Or maybe we had strict parents, mom and dad, and we were a little scared not to listen to them. That's a good thing. You ought to be that way with the Lord. The fear Amen. of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. All right, now this smart young man, we see some things here from Proverbs chapter 1. We'll just go over these quickly and do a short study. I'll call it short. If I need to cut a little bit into our time, I'll cut into it because uh, all we can do is go back there and eat. <laughs> but I think it'll be short. Uh, but this smart young man has knowledge and discretion. I looked up, I think we know what knowledge is. It's just knowing facts. I looked up discretion to make sure I understood it correctly. And it said, uh, the dictionary said, prudence and discernment, which enables a person to judge critically of what is correct and proper united with caution. Let me tell you about young men sometimes. They get that male ego going. They get that confidence going. And they throw caution to the wind. Now listen, I'm all for a young man being confident. I'm all for a young man being bold. But I'm also for a young man keeping a good fear of God so that he's cautious about doing something stupid or that'll wreck. How many of those young men tend to have wrecks? Why is it that their insurance costs more than everybody else's? <laughs> uh, because they they miss that part about knowing what is correct and proper united with caution. <laughs> How many young men, while they were young men, you know, 
took their car and hit about 120, 140 miles an hour with it. <laughs> I saw some funny looks on some men's faces just now. <laughs> you know what they did? They did not unite their understanding of what was proper with some caution. How many, uh, some of their stupid boasts right in front of some other young man got them punched in the face? <laughs> they didn't uh, unite it with caution. How many things got them slapped by a young lady? They didn't unite some things with caution and discretion and common sense. Yeah, that, that, that's the trouble. So the Bible says that these young men, if he's a smart young man, has some knowledge and some discretion. All right, I'll tell you another thing about this young man from this text, this passage. Liberty or power of acting without other control than one's own judgment. That's the second meaning of this discretion. You have a liberty, but a power of acting. You don't need somebody else controlling you. Now, one reason we have parents when we're children is because we don't know any better than to do some of the stupid stuff we do, and that's why mom and daddy has to look after us. Amen. I remember when I was first having children, and little uh, Nathan was born into our home, my father-in-law was there, and he was going around to all the electrical outlets. He was an electrician and put these little plastic plugs in them where you can't get into the, uh, into the electrical outlet. And I'm those of you that know me know I'm not a very thoughtful person. I don't think of stuff. And as he was putting it in there, I said, what are you doing, Kim? He said, I'm putting these things in there. There's a baby crawling around in here now. And I don't want him sticking a fork or something in these electrical outlets. And then he stopped for a minute, put everything down, and just looked me right in the face. He said, you've got a child in her now. You're going to have to start thinking of some of these things. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Thank you, Father-in-law. I, I miss Brother Ken. I've, I've missed him many times over the years. Thank you know why? He'd be real with me. <laughs> but let me tell you something. That's why you need parents. But I hope when you're a grown man, even a young grown man, that you have developed a little bit of this discretion where you can have the liberty or the power of acting with just the control of your own judgment because mom and daddy ain't always going to be there. Pastor isn't always going to be with you. Knowledge and discretion. All right. The second thing I notice about this smart young man is his smartness, his knowledge, originates with the fear of the Lord and then is followed up by teaching and rules of the father and mother. Look at it. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If the Lord isn't a, isn't a significant part of your life, there is something seriously missing your knowledge. Amen. Secondly, my son, hear the instruction of thy father. <coughs> Listen to your daddy. And forsake not the law of thy mother. Go by your mama's rules. Aggravating. I know anybody that puts any rules on us, it seems a little aggravating. But let me tell you about mom and dad. They've been down the road a little longer than you have. And there's nobody that loves you more. You put the combination of them having that wisdom and experience and them loving you with all their hearts, that is real, real good advice to follow them. Second only to the Lord. Now, the Lord comes first. Fear of the Lord is first. But second only to that is mom and dad. 
That's where that originates. The uh, Bible says in Acts chapter 9, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. You know what happened when these churches prospered and thrived? They had the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost. You say, I don't want to go around scared of people all the time. Well, wait a minute. There's another side to that. When you're scared of getting in trouble, it'll leave you safe enough where you can have comfort. You know what will get you in trouble where you'll be really scared? When you throw aside the fear of the Lord and do whatever you feel like, and then you get in trouble, for you'll be facing a judge one of these days. You'll be facing jail one of these days. You'll be facing some fellow prisoners one of these days. And you'll figure out what fear is. Amen. Walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost, they were edified. There's a real comfort that comes from the right kind of fear of the right kind of authority. All right, so he's a soiled young man in our original text. He's a smart young man. Here in Proverbs chapter 1, I'll say one more thing about it. They learn to say no. Amen. Look at verse 10. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Amen. Amen. Every, every human being here I'm talking to, there is sin and temptation bombarding you all day, every day. Learn to consent not. Amen. Learn to say, I'm not going to do those drugs. I'm not going to drink that liquor. I'm not going to use that language. I'm not going to look at those dirty pictures. I'm not going to listen to that dirty music. Learn to say no. Amen. Young men, I'm preaching mainly to young men because the book of Proverbs is to young men. We're reading out of Proverbs. Learn to say no. The young ladies of our day are the most aggressive and um, taking the initiative that they have been in recent history. <laughs> you better learn to say no. You better learn to say no to all of those things. You know why? Those things are traps. There are way too many traps out there, but I better move on. A soiled young man, a smart young man. Now still in the book of Proverbs, let's look at the simple young man. He's not very deep. Um, we would have said uh, he didn't have much sense. <laughs> look at Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7 verse 6. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones. That's the ones that uh, they're not very deep thinkers, let's say. I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Amen. Passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and settle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him, and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Those are religious things. Some of these people that you get in trouble with, you'll find them in church. I'm sorry to tell you that. But some of these people got plenty of religion, and they know all about their peace offerings, and paying their vows, and an they come to church, and all that stuff. They know all about that, and yet they're falling into sin. Amen. But don't think just because somebody's in church that they're good. <coughs> 
You can sit in a church pew and be just like the world. Verse 15, Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. Solace means to comfort you. It's not that I've done anything wrong. I've just been lonely too long. I just need comfort. I've just had a hard time. The devil will always use that and say, that's an excuse for your sin. I know you lost your temper, but hey, you've been through a hard time. I know you fell into sin, but you're just trying to medicate from the hard time you've been through. You see how you do it? Well, nobody could blame us for falling into sin if we've been through some difficulties. Listen, you better still obey. Verse 19, For the good man is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she, look at it, forced him. In the Bible, when a rape takes place, they say they forced them. Here, that woman just being all flattering, it says she forced him. Did you know women have some power over men? And the word in the book of Proverbs is she forced him. There was no way he could resist. The Bible knows some things some people don't know, doesn't it? Amen. To verse 22, he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways nor go astray in her paths. For she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. Boy, that's some pretty strong language. Amen. You better stay out of these things. And people that don't are what they call simple young men. They don't think very deeply. All right, let's see what this simple young man does. Number one is he gets near uh, this strange woman. He gets near her. Uh, it says in verse 8, passing through the street near her corner. Don't even get close to her. And in our day, I have to say this, don't even get close to the wrong websites. Because they got things that will draw you in. Don't get close to it physically and don't get close to it in pictures. He gets near her. Now think about Joseph, the virtuous young man Joseph. You know what it says when he was being tempted with sexual sin? It says in Genesis 39, 10, says, And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Joseph wouldn't even get near it. He didn't get as close as he could and at the last minute tried to say no. He just wouldn't lie by her or get near her. This simple young man, he did. You know why? That's what he was wanting. <laughs> That's why he went nearby. Sit there and look and lust and dream and wish it could be. He gets near her. Tell you something else. He follows the way to her. Verse 8. And he went the way to her house. Did you know there's a way of living that leads you right into these sins? Get out of that way of living. 
have known certain Christians that talk about how they hadn't fallen into certain sins, and I'm glad that they hadn't, but they'll do everything right up to it. They listen to music that talks about it, and they tell jokes that talk about it, and they hang out with friends that do it all the time, and they wear clothes that are very suggestive of it, and they're, but they watch TV shows and every kind of entertainment that deals with it and fill their minds 100% with it, but would stop just at that last minute. Well, number one, those things are still all unclean and lascivious. Number two, it makes the chances a whole lot better that you're going to fall into it at some point. Gets near her and follows the way to her. Tell you something else. He missed the, the warning signs. There are certain warning signs that, wait a minute, this, is, uh, this, ain't, a guy, this ain't a young lady like the, uh, like the old-fashioned Christians. So here's a warning sign, verse 11. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Loud. That's the opposite of what the Bible talks about, a meek and quiet spirit. Yeah. The, the, the worldly term when I was growing up was she liked to strut her stuff. <laughs> Loud and stubborn is the words in Proverbs. Uh, there are some warning signs there. I'll tell you something else. He very passively lets her lead. Uh, the men are supposed to be the initiators. The men are supposed to be the leaders. Does the Word of God not teach this? <laughs> and yet here in Proverbs chapter 7, she is leading from... The first step, almost. You know what this young man wanted? This young man wanted to be led. You know how I know? Because he went right to the house before somebody was going to lead him. And then just let her take over. And sure enough, by verse 13, she does. So she caught him and kissed him. Isn't that relaxing? You don't have to do anything. <laughs> she just takes over. We live in a day of passive young men. Amen. You're supposed to be the one taking the lead. But this is a simple young man. Bless his heart, he wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> he ain't real smart. So he just walks up and hopes she knows. And guess what? She does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from verse 13 to verse 21, he's just passive and letting her lead. And look where she leads him. Verse 22, he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter. I'll tell you where she's taking you, you big strong ox. She's taking you to the slaughterhouse. Amen. Do I need to give you some examples? <laughs> Pick up Hollywood and read what goes on in those romances. Or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. But I'll tell you how it starts. It starts with the wrong heart and a wrong mind. Because look, as he's wrapping up his instructions to the simple young man in verse 25, it says, Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her, in her paths. Let not what? Thine heart. You sit and think about her all along, and that's where you'll head. And she'll know how to take over and from there. You stay away. You don't get near Alright, uh, we've seen the soiled young man, the smart young man, the simple young man. Now let's talk about the sight-walking young man. He just walks according to sight. There's no faith in him whatsoever. He's not living according to what the Lord says and the things he doesn't see. He goes by what he does see. What's the problem with that? Well, here's the problem. The devil will put 500 pictures in front of your face showing you how his way is the right way. He has bigger religions with more followers 
He has more ornate decorations and all his stuff. He has more entertainment. So just follow the side of your eyes and do what seems right to you. Ecclesiastes 11.9 Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. You know what the Lord tells you to do? Don't just walk according to the side of your eyes. Open up this book and find out how you're supposed to teach and how you're supposed to believe and how you're supposed to live. Because if you just do what seems right to you, there's a problem. You, Number one, you're a sinner. Number two, you're surrounded by this world that doesn't teach God's way. And you'll get a blown steer. As a matter of fact, this is out and out denied in the, in the Bible, in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 12, the Lord speaking to his people, he says, Ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day. Every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. He said, The way we've been living, don't do that anymore. Just, what's that? Just every man what was right in his own eyes. It's forbidden. And it's illustrated in the book of Judges. The book of Judges says it real clear. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now how did it go in Judges? Well, they'd get right with God for a while and things would go all right. And then the judge would die and they'd go in apostasy and start intermarrying with the heathen and worshiping their gods and get in a bunch of trouble and lose their freedom and lose their money and lose their wealth and about starve to death. And then they'd get right with God and cry out and he'd send the judge to deliver them. And they'd live right with him until that judge died and then down they'd go again. How many Christian lives go like that? Amen. You know what the problem is? You're doing what seems right in your own eyes. And down you go, and then the Lord shows you some scripture, and you learn a little truth, and you get right with him for a while, and then you fall away, and down you go again. And Hey, get off of that roller coaster. Amen. It loses its thrill after a while. It is no fun after a while, I assure you. Sight-walking young man, I call that one. All right, here's one. A sad young man. I think this one will surprise you. Turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. Now, when you picture a sad young man, who do you picture? Don't you picture a guy that doesn't have any money, doesn't ever get to have any fun, doesn't ever get to do what all the other young men get to do? What a, what a sad guy he must be. But that's not the picture of the sad young man in the Bible. Look at Matthew 19. Matthew 19, verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect... Go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Isn't that interesting? It was a rich young man that had been going by the rules, and all the things that you would think would make a happy young man, and he was the one that left Jesus sad. Let me tell you what a sad young man is. 
one that isn't following Jesus. I don't care if you have a bunch of money or if you have a little money. If you're on the trail with Jesus, you've got joy. And if you leave Jesus, you lose joy. Amen. I don't even care, and, I, and I, don't get me wrong, I appreciate the fact that this young man kept most of the commandments. I really do. If you're here today and you've got a broken heart, I can tell you what your problem is. You and the Lord Jesus aren't all that close. <coughs> I don't know what happened. Maybe you got lazy. Maybe you got complacent. One big one is he allowed something to happen in your life that broke your heart, and you've never really forgiven him for it. That's a big one. We lose a lot of people from the trail of Jesus right there. I, I, I don't necessarily know what it is. But if you're not with Jesus, you're lacking joy. Let me tell you something, young men. There's many a young man that went out there and started a business and worked hard and went by the rules that the Bible gives us. And I thank God for them. And they're a good example to us in some ways. And they prospered and they made good money and they built a nice house and they have a nice family. And you know what their testimony is? There is something missing in my life. That's true. Let me tell you what it is. It's a hole in your heart in the shape of Jesus. And all the money you can put in there and all the family you can put in there and everything else you can put in there won't ever fill that void until you get Jesus in there. Amen. And by the way, that's not just true young men. There's plenty of old men, girls and women too, that have that same hole. But the sad young man, he... He followed some rules. He had some money. But I'll say this for him. He was addicted to his wealth, his possessions, his lifestyle. And when it came time to pick the Lord or what he was used to, he went away sad that he had to stick to what he knew. Better stick with Jesus. Don't even do the lawful things that can get you addicted. Don't even do the lawful things that can get you in a bad habit. Paul warns on this in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Hey, everybody, but especially young men, since that's who we're preaching to, you can get hooked on sugar. You can get hooked on caffeine. Amen. You can get hooked on electronic screen. I think we've mentioned that before. You can get hooked on sports. You can get hooked on pretty girls. You can get hooked on video games. You can get hooked on superhero movies. You can get hooked on a lot of stuff. You can get hooked on shopping and always wanting the nicest, neatest gadget or the nicest clothes or the nicest car. There's some stuff you can get addicted to. Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient, and I will not be brought under the power of any. Can you take a, can you take a month off and not drink any soft drinks? Can you take two weeks off and not drink any coffee? Can you take uh, two weeks and not have any sugar candy? <laughs> hey, you might be under the power of some things. And then, of course, there's some worse ones. How about gambling? How about pornography? How about drugs? There's, there's some real damaging ones. Get in the habit of not getting under the power of things. They'll wreck you. you You'll be a sad young man. Stay busy instead doing the things that build up others. Be edifying to others. That's one reason you should take part in the ministries we've got here. If there's one more we can start. I, this book that I've got, I have a, a ministry idea, and they keep 
delaying the book and keep sending me emails. Oh, we're sorry, we lost your order. We'll be sure and send it to you. I said all that to say this. Find a ministry and do something that's a blessing to somebody Amen. that gets the gospel out. It'll help you stay out of some of these things that are just addicting and harmful and bad for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's well. Quit sitting around thinking what will make you comfortable and think how can I be a blessing to somebody else. That'll help. You know what you'll find when you do that? You'll find peace. The Bible says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. You see the link between edifying others and peace in your heart? You know, some of the people that have the least peace are the ones that always do what they feel like doing. It's like they're in a bad mood, mad at the world. If they have to cut their little game off 15 minutes early, they're mad. If they, if they don't get to finish the ball game or the movie, they're mad. If they don't get to go on the little trip they have another, even as also you do. Let me tell you about when Mr. Hard Times comes. When Mr. Hard Times comes in your life, you're going to want some comfort. You're going to want some people around you that love you, praying for you, hugging your neck, telling you they care. Is there anything I can do to help? You know how you find people like that? You live a life that's serving others. Amen. What do I feel like? What chair do I want to sit in? What show do I want to watch? What food do I want to eat? What me, 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 me. You'll run you crazy sitting thinking about me all the time. That's the sad young man, all right? Uh, just a very few more. All right, look at uh, Acts chapter 20. I'm going to call this the sleepy young man. I talked about this a little bit in uh, the study, one of the earlier studies on Proverbs, but we live in a day of passive young men. They are not engaged. They are checked out of whatever's going on around them. And uh, their teachers are getting tired of it. Their girlfriends and wives are getting tired of it. And everybody else is getting tired of it. You try to have a conversation with them, and they are in their own heads somewhere else. And what's going on around, they barely know what's happening. We call that checked out. They're asleep on the sofa. They don't know what's going on with their kids. They don't know what's going on with their business to a large degree, although sometimes that's the one thing that they do pay attention to. They don't know what's going on in a lot of areas. All right, so let's see the sleepy young man up here in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep, a certain what young man... And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. Now I know about young men. Some of them stay up till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning if the football game goes into overtime and they're able to stay awake for that. Some of them stay up till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning playing video games and they're able to stay awake for that. And sometimes they binge watch uh, TV shows that they like and watch one after the other two or three seasons in a row and they're able to stay awake for that. But boy, when Paul got preaching past midnight, he fell asleep as a young man, and down he went. Verse 10, and Paul went down and fell on him, and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again, and broken bread, and eaten, and talked a long while, even to break a day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive, and were not a little comforted. 
Alright, now what would make the young man fall asleep when he stays awake for so many other things? Well, one of the main things is he has little to no interest in what's being preached. Amen. That ain't his thing. Ball games might be. Superheroes whooping up on the bad guy might be. You know, getting the pretty girl might be. Playing a video game might be. But uh, teaching from the Word of God, the law of his mother, and the instruction of his father, and the Holy Spirit of God talking to him. Well, he'd fall asleep on that. <laughs> Little to no interest. I'll tell you another one. Maybe overtired. Some of these young men that are checked out of everything else, it's because they're working, 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 and they ain't got nothing for God, and they ain't got nothing for their wife, and they ain't got nothing for their kids, and they ain't got nothing for their friends, and they ain't got nothing for their church, and they ain't got nothing for their community, and they ain't got nothing for nothing else because they're working, 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 and they're asleep. That'll put you to sleep. Maybe a little to no interest, maybe overtired. But I'll tell you this, if you do find yourself in that place, surround yourself with the right people. You know what saved Eutychus? He was surrounded by a bunch of people, and somebody like the Apostle Paul could show up and supernaturally heal him. There will be times in your life you'll go through some hard times, and you have so much going on you may not have the interest you should. You may be working so hard you may be overtired. But here's what you do. You get God's people around, and you stay... You stay hooked up with them. So you got some friends that care about you. That's the sleepy young man. Now let's look at the sober young man. Oh, this is a good one. Titus chapter 2. This is the last real point. The rest of it is really just conclusion. So look at Titus just before Philemon and Hebrews. Titus. Titus chapter 2. He talks to the older men and the older women and the younger men and the younger women. He, he's got something for everybody here in this little passage. Titus chapter 2, verse 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you, Sober young men, serious, sensible, studious, and logical. And notice how many times he says sober. He says here of the aged men to be sober. He says here for the aged women to teach the younger women to be sober. And he says here for the young men to be sober. Amen. Have you ever heard this called the sober phone? <laughs> <laughs> we live in an entertainment age. Everything has to be funny or fun, or exciting. Dr. Ruckman used to say, kiss me, kill me, love me, leave me, keep all that exciting, fun stuff to watch in front of me. <laughs> hey, you better learn to take some things seriously. Amen. I understand we can sometimes take things too seriously, but in our day of constant entertainment, that's not usually the error. <laughs> usually the error is the young man could be more sober. Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correct correction will drive it far from him. Amen. 
sober young man. All right, in closing, we'll give you one more. This is the strong young man. Strong young man. Look at 1 John chapter 2. Don't worry, we're, we're providing your dinner. You don't have to stand in line with the buffet or anything. You can go one more with me. 1 John chapter 2. First John 2, verse 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. And ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Amen. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Amen. A strong young man. Here in 1 John chapter 2, I'll say just a few things about that. Number one, he's healthy. He's healthy. Hey, take care of your body. Your brain and your heart are affected by your body. Amen. Your brain is a part of your body. Some of you need to cut down on caffeine, sugar. Some of you need to eat some more fruits and veggies. I'm not saying go whole hog, uh, health food nut, but take care of yourself. Some of you need to work out a little bit every day. I'm not saying be a bodybuilder. I'm saying, be strong. Amen. You know what the angel told Daniel? Be strong. You know what he's bragging on the young men for here? Being abideth in you. Young men, one thing that is very important is that you be sure the Word of God abides in you. Read a little bit of it every day. Listen to it taught and preached every time you can. Fill your mind, fill your life with it. Fill your heart with it. Healthy. Word of God abides in them. Bible says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. You all, we got sinful, dirty young men. Don't have much Bible in them. The old timer wrote in his Bible, This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Fill your mind with the Bible. I'll tell you one other thing in closing. This strong young, these strong young men, they've won some victories. It says up in verse 13, I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked end of verse 14, and ye have overcome the wicked one. There need to be some obstacles come in your life, and you overcome them, and you get some confidence, and you realize you can do some things for God. Amen. You ever read that passage over there where the Lord says, I'm going into this mountain to pray yonder. You get in the ship and go to the other side, and they get about halfway across, and a storm comes. That, that's another thing the Lord and I have fussed over. <laughs> he will give you a goal. He'll tell you to go to it. And then he'll put an obstacle right in the way. I've discussed that with him many times. <laughs> I'll say, Lord, I know you told me to do that. Why do you put that obstacle right there? I know you can remove it. You know what you do when you're training some young men to fight for their country? You take them to basic training and you put out there what they call an obstacle course. <laughs> you know why? Because they need to know that they can overcome some things. 
Because if you take this sorry, passive generation of young men we got now, and you put an obstacle in front of them, they'll say, okay, let's go beat the enemy. Oh, well, there's a wall there. Sorry, I was going to go do it, but there's a wall there. <laughs> hey, you got to overcome the enemy whether there's a wall there or not. Hey. Your country can't go down. Your mama and your daddy and your children and your wife back home, their safety is more important than whether or not you might have to climb a wall. Amen. And let me tell you something, young men, spiritually speaking, in the battle that we're involved in, it's a little more important than whatever obstacle is in front of you. And I probably need to do a better job of this myself. But the Lord sometimes put obstacles there to test us. And say, wait a minute, does he mean business about getting over there to do that goal I said or not? I'm sure those disciples were thinking, what in the world? Did the Lord not just tell us to get in this boat and go to the other side and get halfway across and there's a storm and now we can't get to the other side? You need that stuff to happen so you can learn you serve a God that can part the waters or calm the storm or do whatever necessary and you still keep trying. You can't control whether or not you reach the goal, but you can control whether or not you play the man when you're faced with it. That's the part you can control. Strong young man. You know what makes a strong young man? When he's overcome some obstacles and he's won some victories. You know what makes a weak, passive young man? When he doesn't even try. All right, I've gone over, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your word.